Welcome. <laughs> oh my gosh. It only took us six times to push the start button before it actually started. We're doing great. Welcome back to another episode of Uncomfortable Conversations, Conversations with the K&K twins. twins. I'm Kim. I'm Kathleen. Thanks for joining mess. us. We are a hot mess. Oh my gosh. So, so last ridiculous. episode, episode five, we... No, um, six. Yes, episode six, we were talking about blinders. We did the first four blinders. Yes. You want to recap those yes, for us? Yes, absolutely. So okay. the first four blinders, things we don't see clearly. Um, number one was filtering information and how we filter information. Number two was defending the offender. That's a big one I know in my history. Number three was redefining pain and how it shows up and manifests itself in other ways in our bodies. Number four is proclaiming perfect perception. Um, and boy, do we do that. Now, we do that. To we deny reality. Yeah, all, all the time. Denial is like our middle name. Um, but we're getting better. We are. But we're getting better. We're, we're healing. Through. We're healing. So today we're going to talk about, in this episode, we're going to talk about the last three of the blinders, which are keeping busy, exchanging emotions, and a big one for all of us, people pleasing. People pleasing. I feel like women are much more people pleasers than, to that yeah than probably I think more than men are I'm sure obviously there know. are men yeah but I feel like we're worse about it so that's what we're going to talk about in this episode um and the first one of these is oh you know what you have something very important to say oh yes hey if you're enjoying our our uh, podcast would you just like and subscribe us below so hit the subscribe button like us we'd really appreciate it thanks guys and we want to be there for you so whenever we have a new episode that comes up we want you to be notified right away right because um we're, we're in it together. and send us your comments and yeah. we'll, we'll respond to those yeah so and if you, you have questions post, right. post the questions so that um, we can do our best to respond yeah. to them we're just you know we're regular people we're not um, therapists, we're not life coaches. <laughs> we're, not, we're just yes, regular people, people working through our own stuff. Who are codependent yeah. and are figuring out how to change. Yeah. We're figuring out how to heal ourselves, how to um, undo those codependent habits. So there is hope. Yeah, that's what I'm just about to right? say. Yeah. There's hope for us, for all of us. And that's why so. we, we do this. Because we have grown so much, we've had so much change, and we mm -hmm. thought, we thought, we went, gosh, how many people can we bring along with us? Right. Who, you know, when you when you find something that works for you, you want to share it with everybody, and so that's why we're here. Okay, so back to the last three blinders. Um, let's talk about keeping busy. Yes, keeping busy. Wow, this is one where we use all sorts of activities to keep ourselves from um, thinking and feeling, from mm -hmm. reflecting, from mm -hmm. looking at our stuff. It's too painful. We don't want to look at it. So yeah. we stay very busy. And that can be through workaholism, charity, charity work, yeah. you know, church work, being really active in the yeah. church. Um, it can be sports events. If you're a gym rat and you're going to the gym all the time, mm -hmm. um, it can be um, binge-watching. Oh, yeah, it could be watching television. Mm -hmm. It could be um, binge-watching great shows on Netflix. Mm -hmm. um, it could be scrolling through social media. Exactly. You know, Instagram and mm -hmm. Facebook and Snapchat. All those things. Twit, twit face. And I, I don't know. know. You know. And you know what? Games. Computer games. Yeah. Being yeah, on your yeah, computer, yeah. on your iPad, doing all those games. Mindless stuff that we think we're just doing to relax. Right. But it's, it's an avoidance technique exactly. to exactly. keep us from dealing with our stuff. Well, sometimes, well, I'll, I'll speak for me. So the way I was in my previous codependent way of functioning, 
if I felt any kind of discomfort in my body, like that's how I've learned now I feel it in my body. And so when I would feel that discomfort, I would immediately do something to avoid feeling it. And st now what I do is I try to work through it and understand what I'm feeling and understand why I'm feeling that way. In the past, I didn't do any of that. Mm -mm. I would avoid it. So I would, right. I would hang out with friends. I would sit and watch television. I would do mindless games. And I think there's a, a, there's a place for all of that. Right. Um, I think some of In it is a healthy just way. Yeah. Some of it is just decompressing. Like mm -hmm. sometimes I just need to shut my brain down for the day. But if you're doing it as a way of avoidance and a way Every of not day. feeling your feelings and mm -hmm. not dealing with and, and staying in that place of denial, then that is a codependent behavior and that's mm -hmm. not healthy. Anything we do to stay busy and preoccupied to avoid reality and the truth of our lives. What's really going on with yeah. us? It's and if you think that's not you, that's normal. That that's a that's a codependent thing too. <laughs> that's a codependent thing too. Um, so I guess it's not normal. But you are codependent if you go, oh, that's not me. Yeah. Um, really, see how much time you're spending and see doing things that aren't bringing any value to you, um, and really analyze your feelings and, and what what you're feeling when you're trying to avoid, mm -hmm. um, because this is this is one of, I think one of the main things that we do to avoid mm -hmm. our feelings and to put these blinders up so that we can't see and feel what's really going on inside us. So ask yourself this, do you on a regular basis check in with yourself and sit and reflect? Mm. Do you take time to reflect on your life, what your issues may be, your inner turmoil, what your feelings are? When something happens, you feel that, that clench mm -hmm. in your stomach. Do you stop? and analyze your feelings. You identify your feelings. This is where I pull out my feelings wheel, Right? Yeah, yeah. The, feelings the feelings wheel, wheel. do it. I, mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on. Your I feel something, yep. I don't know what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. I literally pull out right. my feelings wheel on my phone to go, okay, what mm -hmm. am I feeling? Right. What is this? Is it fear? Mm -hmm. Is it worry? Is it anger? Mm -hmm. um, and put some words to that. Because what we've learned really in processing this together is once you can name and identify what the feeling is, it takes the power away from it. Right. You no longer feel the overwhelm and the frustration and all the other words that you attach to it. Mm -hmm. You have resolution and there's peace mm -hmm. and calm. And so you don't need to avoid when you can actually resolve. And think about this. Are there times where you've said things or done things, you've said things to people or responded to things in ways that later you just feel like you have a dis, you feel uncomfortable, yeah. some dis-ease, you, you just feel like, you're just uneasy about it, but you can't quite define it. You feel so uncomfortable with what you said or done, and maybe you feel some guilt or some shame or whatever you feel. But you're not quite sure, but you don't want to deal with it. If you just give it enough time, it'll go away. Oh, so just sure. over time, a couple, two or three days later, a week later, and you've kind of forgotten about it, mm -hmm. but you haven't actually dealt with it, mm -hmm. and it just compounds. You know, it's so still there. It if go you're anywhere. if you're finding yourself thinking, oh, why did I say that, or oh, that didn't come out right. Often, like frequently, we all do it, but yes. I'm just saying on a frequent basis because we're not responding to things in a healthy way, you start feeling that uncomfortableness, then you probably need to sit and do some reflection and analyzing. So yes. we may have a sense that something's wrong, mm -hmm. but we just can't identify it. Right. We're not sure what it is. We have no idea. And we don't take the time to. I, I mm -hmm. mean, I would, I li my defense mechanism was to not feel my feelings. Mm -hmm. So, um, and we would, That's as codependents, we would reject. Yeah, we would reject the idea oh, that we are suppressing our feelings. Absolutely. That we don't know what we feel. That we that we are we, staying we, busy. That we're workaholics. We're Nobody like ever admits they're a workaholic. I'm, it's crazy. Are you but a workaholic? Yeah, I am. Oh, okay. I am. 
<laughs> she just admitted. But I'm working on it because that's <laughs> because I'm healing. Yes. I would have never said that. Yeah, that's you know, true. She would have said, no, so there's going, a lot yeah. to get done. Yeah, I got there's a lot, a to, lot do. to do. And only I can do it. So you well, might be a codependent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you say that, if you say that, yeah. Um, so, All right. yeah. All right, you want to go to number six, exchanging emotions. So, yeah, this is an interesting one. So because codependents haven't really experienced true love and intimacy or just genuine support and encouragement, um, we often substitute one emotion for another. Mm -hmm. And I think we talked about this in a past episode where, um, for instance, we may equate love with worry mm -hmm. or correction mm -hmm. because we're trying to fix Mm -hmm. um, or managing, like helping, to yeah, managing, people. helping. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, yeah we're we trying to help. Helping. Trying to we call manage. it helping, mm -hmm. but we're really like manipulating, right? and managing, and controlling other people's lives. So we really substitute worry or mm -hmm. um, correction um, for affection and love mm -hmm. that the recipient actually needs. And I think of it with my children, or my child, right? So as a child, um, micromanage my child, mm -hmm. criticizing her trying to control all aspects of her life was my desperate attempt in my sense of um, incompetency as a parent. I didn't have mm. self-confidence as a parent to try and make my child be perfect mm -hmm. because if my child was perfect, then that would re reflect well on me that mm -hmm. I was a good parent. Mm -hmm. So that was how I would try to, um, I would try to make my child be perfect so that I would look like the perfect parent. And that's where I would get validation, I would right. get approval, you know, that kind of a thing. So my, my, my ulterior motive was not pure. It was not in the best interest right. of my daughter to my, you know, to my regret to this day. Um, and that's amends that I need to make with her and I will be, um, but I need to be validated. That was my need well, to be validated. Well, I was going to say, we want so desperately to be loved and be accepted and to be admired mm -hmm. and to, for people to think the best of us um, mm -hmm. and that whole perfection we have this whole perfectionism, perfectionism. Thing mm -hmm. as codependents and so um, that's what it's I hear you saying I was striving for that perfection mm -hmm. perfect life because that was a reflection on me and I, I can say the same thing you know I I have lots of children <laughs> that would say um, I especially when they were younger was very controlling very hypercritical um, and that's how I was raised. I was raised in a home where you had to be perfect. Yes. Anytime you were not in the house, especially like where other people could see you, you always had the, you give the best, most perfect yes. impression. And so, you know, we do what we're taught. We do what we see. And so in my mind, like that's what you did. It, it mm -hmm. didn't matter what the kids needed or the best way to talk to them. Right. I, and in my hypercriticalism, uh, is that a word, hypercriticalism? In my- <laughs> We make up words yeah, all the time. In, in my being hypercritical with them, my heart was in the right place. Like I just want them to be their best, but perfect is not the be is their best, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, I thought it was an act of love. I yeah. thought I was being mm -hmm. loving- Me too. And being a good mom by always pointing out what they were doing wrong. Yes, but was it really, you said we came from a good place, from our heart was in the right place, but was it really, it really mm. wasn't altruistic. It was trying to fulfill our own need, yes. using our children to fulfill our yes. own need, and that is not healthy. No, I think so in my not, mind, I thought think it, it was coming, coming from, from like, the right I thought place. the same thing. I would yeah. help my daughter be, you know, the best thing that she could yeah. be. 
knowing somewhere in my subconscious that I was really probably doing it more for my benefit than hers. I don't think but I, I don't think I identified that. that. Like, I don't think I could have articulated that yeah, and vocalized yeah. that. But I think somewhere deep down I knew my mom did that to me mm. and the damage and the pain it caused me, but I couldn't seem to stop because it's all I knew, yeah. right? It's mm -hmm. all, it's what my mom yeah. did with me and my dad too, to a certain extent. Yeah. So, so I think sometimes we substitute those things. Mm -hmm. um, when our kids really just need our love and affection. And um, acceptance. And sometimes people use like condemnation yeah. or manipulation. For sure. Um, or praise. Even we use. Which we'll criticize Or praise, which is another side mm -hmm. of the manipulation mm -hmm. coin. Yeah. Um, so rather than just simply loving them. Just exactly. loving them. And accepting because, them. Yeah, because you know what? We really invalidate their feelings. Mm -hmm. We don't allow them to have their own feelings, to have their own failures, to have their mm -hmm. own experiences because mm -hmm. we're so busy trying to fit them into the yes. perfection mold that we exactly. need them to fit in that we're then creating other codependents. We're creating codependent children yeah. like our parents created with exactly. us. We're just recreating that same dynamic because from our home. all mm -hmm. they're doing is yes. repeating the same patterns right? we did. We learned from our parents, our kids learn from us. Right. And so I've got older kids who are of adult age who are very controlling and hypercritical and because that's what they were raised with me um, and then my younger kids have a new mom it's still me but I've done so much healing that yeah. they can say and I'm still healing mm -hmm. that they can say to me mom you're being totally controlling right now and you know you just need to back up and let me feel my feelings or let me mm -hmm. be me where my older kids wouldn't have had the freedom to even say that to me because I would have like nipped that in the bud and told them they were being disrespectful and they right. talk to me that way. Which is heartbreaking to me that I didn't allow my children to feel their feelings. Exactly. So here I am ha wanting to heal those relationships that I've broken and I want them to be whole um, and not feel the need to, to function the way I did all those years and then I have my younger kids that are teaching me as I'm as I'm teaching them how to live in, in, in a healthier way and so that's just another way of saying that there's hope and we yeah. all break there's our healing kids. <laughs> we, we all, all break our kids we all break but you our know kids. what I do I do see Kim that you are allowing your younger ones to express feelings yes. they're, they're able to express themselves more mm -hmm. without punishment or criticism and sometimes it's hard for me. Yeah, me like too. Like I have to, me like too, I sure. get real quiet, which is not my natural state, and I get very reflective. And I think they probably think I'm angry, and if I am, I'm angry at myself because I'm like, dang it, I did it again. Mm -hmm. Ugh, I'm really working on it. And, right, we're trying um, so hard. But you know, so and you know, I do. I they do have that freedom, but I'm not like, thanks so much. For putting me in my place, for making me feel <laughs> for like pointing doo -doo. out to me my like mm -hmm. yeah, yeah no it's it's it hurts, but you know that this is part of what we learn in in, in healing in our, from our codependency yes. is doing things the right way a healthy way, in the long run benefits everybody and right. everybody is better off and everybody everybody wins, wins mm -hmm. and has healing, so I can handle. Look, I handled, you know, 40 funky years of discomfort living in codependency. Right. So I can handle a few minutes of discomfort while I work through or for mm -hmm. a few weeks or a few months of discomfort while I work through um, this healing of my own. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's really, so far, we've been doing this 
couple years? Maybe it's a couple years. A couple years, but we've come that can happen so overnight, far folks. in a couple yeah, of years. We really have. So far. But you know what I think is so beautiful is that when we create a safe space and allow and invite our children to be honest mm -hmm. with how they're feeling, even if it's critical of us mm -hmm. and they're pointing out a weakness of us, mm -hmm. The healing and the change in your relationship yeah. is really beautiful. It's 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 really uh, it creates it creates yes. a bond, and mm -hmm. I, I'm I feel like I'm closer to my mm -hmm. younger children than I was to my older children when they were this mm -hmm. age because I didn't allow them to have this intimacy with me mm -hmm. to be able to see let them see me and let me like I can very freely say now. Dang, I messed that up. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I know I told yeah. you I was gonna respect your boundaries, and I totally blew it again. Um, and I'm really, really sorry. And and sometimes the response is, okay, I know you're sorry, but you're just gonna have to like back up and let me get over it. Right. <sighs> because you know we talked about this uh, this this weekend. I, I I sent this to Kim. I said, you know, I've just realized that <laughs> when you hurt somebody, you offend somebody. Yes. You can say you're sorry, but this, and you may be very sorry, mm -hmm. but saying you're sorry doesn't fix the wound. Mm -hmm. It's like if I had a, if I hit you, and if I hit Kim and I broke her arm, I could say I'm sorry, but her arm is still broken. Mm -hmm. It doesn't instantly heal her arm. So just saying you're sorry doesn't necessarily fix it. Right. Doesn't healed the wound necessarily right then and there there are there's still work to be done mm -hmm. so if i hit her and i hurt her i'm going to have to over time demonstrate that i am truly sorry mm -hmm. and repentant yep. by no longer hitting her and no right. longer hurting her over a period of time where she learns now to trust me that yep. when i say i'm not going to hit you anymore i'm not because my history now is reflecting this new behavior right. if i said i'm sorry i won't hit you again and then i do it again Clearly, that trust is no law, is not there, and it's not going to be there because I'm demonstrating the opposite of what I'm saying. So, and you know what's going to happen in the beginning is the next time you move, I'm going to get right? triggered. Flinch. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to get Thinking triggered get hit from again. that experience, mm -hmm. which is what we do emotionally. We get triggered by people's behavior that is similar mm -hmm. to something else that hurt us in the past. Right. So I'm going to get triggered until. Um, I work through that and, and learn see, to trust and see that repetitious mm -hmm. behavior that's different. Um, right. um, but that's, I mean, it's, that's actually a good But analogy. you have to be committed mm -hmm. to creating that safe space. And that yeah. was making me, I was sharing with Kim, my daughter, I come from a family of yellers. Mm. My dad was a Marine. He was a yeller. He would, you would just, he would just scream at you. You'd be terrified as a child. And my mom was also a yeller. So we came from two yellers. So we yelled a lot in our house. You know, they didn't do the hitting thing. They didn't, you know, beat us or hit us or whatever. I mean, we got the belt. We did get spanked, but we didn't get, like, you know, beatings. But with that yelling was this constant yelling. And I remember one time I was doing this Bible study about generational sin, and it, in, and it challenged us to invite our children or our spouses, significant others, to be honest with us and tell us what is one thing that I do that really hurts you or that you feel damages our relationship, but really be sincere in telling them they can be totally honest. And at first, you know, when I shared with my daughter, I said, tell me, you know, what it is that um, the one thing that I could change that would help um, improve our relationship. And she did not believe me for one minute that it was really safe 
that I really wanted to hear this, that she could really be honest with me. So it took me a while to keep trying to convince her that I'm really going to create the safe place. And I was committed to it. So what she said to me was, she said, Mom, when you yell at me, and I said, well, tell me, how does that make you feel? Like, tell me about that. She said, well, when you yell at me, your whole demeanor changes, your face changes. She goes, and when you look at me, it's like you hate me. Like you look at me like hatred, like, like you don't love me anymore. I just, it feels like you don't love me when you yell at me like that. And your face is so contorted with anger. And I realized the damage that I was doing in our relationship by yelling like that. And so I couldn't think, I was trying to figure out what to do to fix this though. But I didn't react. I was really good. I was so hurt and so crushed, but I knew it was true. You know, I knew it was true and it clicked with me. This is what I knew because this is what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. But I remember how damaging it was for me. I just didn't know how to do something different. Yeah. So when she shared this with me, it broke my heart. I actually went up in my room and just cried because I thought I'm doing to her what my parents did to me that I hated. How do I fix this? So we came up with a little plan and I said to her, I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. When you see me start getting, you know, tense and like, I'm going to start yelling, we're going to have a safe word. And you're going to say this word or this phrase. And when you say that, I'm promise you, I'm committing to you that I'm going to stop and I'm going to give myself a timeout. I'm going to go in my room. I'm going to process and come back and think of a better way to say it without yelling. She did not believe me for one minute because my past history right. had not proved itself to be trustworthy in that regard. So I was really prayerful about this and said, Lord, don't let me blow, screw this up. I've got to do it the very first time. I've got to do it every time. When she says that safe word, I have got to make myself stop. That was the hardest part. So sure enough, she tried it. And I was so, I was so sure I was right and I needed to tell her all the things. I'm sorry. But you know what? I had already committed to this, so I stopped. I didn't say anything. I still looked angry, I'm sure. I stomped my way up to my room. I closed my door and I thought, okay. I told her it was safe for her to be honest with me, to reveal her heart to me, to share her soul, her fears with me. She's telling me, Mom, you hurt me when you do this. Mm -hmm. This damages our relationship. Yeah. This damages my trust in you. I don't, mm. I don't trust you to protect my yeah, heart, protect my yeah. feelings, which is crushing for a parent mm -hmm. or it should be. Yeah. And so I did and I stopped and it took me a while to get myself under control and then to work through and say, okay, how do I go down and say what I need to say? Because mm -hmm. she needs this correction mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. a way that still makes her feel loved and that I haven't disconnected emotionally from her. So then I kind of went down and we started, you know, we talked through that. So that was kind of a way to deal with that. And, and I was so committed that I did that. I did it because if I wouldn't have, it never would have worked and it would just been another broken promise, right? Mm. So the interesting thing was it was about a couple years later, maybe 18 months or two years later, she said to me one day in the car, she said, Mom, you know what? I just, I just realized this. You don't yell anymore. Aww. You don't really yell anymore. So that was just a little technique that we used to get past something that was critical in our relationship yeah. now i was still critical of her you know i still did the you controlling the perfect, whole thing but but i'm just saying that's one area yeah. that i was able to work with and heal from so anyway make sure you are committed to this process if you're going to do this with your kids because you'll just do more damage if you promise them that it's safe and it's not they'll just they'll true. just go back into a shell even farther so true, true, true. all that to say exchanging emotions and sometimes when you're really angry 
we hide that behind this facade of stoicism. That's just about that we're just it, yep. we're you know we're not going to express our anger. So it looks like it's all peaceful and, and calm, but inside, oh, seething rage and anger. Mm -hmm. And and actually, mine wasn't even like stoicism. I would smile. Ah, oh. I can smile through the worst of it. And my children know when they see me smiling a certain way, they're scared. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's not good, right? But that was, you know, that that was part of me trying to always look perfect. Like you could never know how horrible my life was or how challenging what I was going through was. I would just put a smile on my face, which is, again, it's also part of the denial, but it was exchanging emotions. I was, mm -hmm. instead of acknowledging what I was really feeling, right. um, I would just put a smile on my face and keep mm -hmm. on trucking. Right. Not good, you guys. No. Not good. And even, like, I know a lot of times um, we'll say, someone will say, I'm tired. Mm. If you ask someone, if you have someone in your life where you say, hey, how are you doing today? I'm tired. Every I'm day. Tired. Every time you ask. Typically what that really means is I'm depressed. Mm -hmm. That's a sign of depression. If you ask them how they're doing, I have someone in my life that is never good. I've never in all their entire life ever heard them say, I'm fine. Yes, oh, I'm so I'm in great mood today. I'm feeling really good. Never, not one time. But she suffers from depression and anxiety, and that's just a constant for her. But she can't own that. She can't articulate it. that. Yeah. She can't. So it's always, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. All the time. Yep. So that's just one of the ways. So yeah, anyway. And that's good to know. Right. Because we can have a lot of, we can lack empathy. Yes. And think right. that they're making excuses and, you know, really they're, they're struggling. They're really just struggling with they're life. Struggling. Mm -hmm. So, and, and kind of under that, yeah, you know, kind of under that umbrella of exchanging emotions. Is one of the things we do when we're exchanging emotions is we don't identify our feelings accurately. So we use words like frustrated when really a we're lot. angry. <laughs> yeah, like, and angry. But I think that's probably the one or I we're hurt. I think that's, yeah. yeah. I think if, especially if you're playing for sympathy, which is probably not the nicest way to say it, but if you're trying to gain sympathy, um, you're, you're hurt all the time, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's really, you, you may not be hurt. You may be um, just wanting, wanting to feel needed and right. wanting attention. Um, it, may be, it may be disappointment. It may be, uh, you know, that's the whole point is we assign these words and especially if we're overusing them. Mm -hmm. Like frustrated. Yeah. People say frustrated a lot because it sounds more, it palatable. sounds okay. People it's are palatable. like, yeah, I'm frustrated. Everyone gets frustrated. But to say you're angry may mean that you're out of control. Yeah. You don't want to be out of control. And I think especially for women. I think, you know, right. men can sometimes be like, oh, you know, why are you so emotional? Right? You know, our anger might, might be called em being emotional. Well, you don't say that to men, mm -mm. but so, you know, right. we'll change our words mm -hmm. to make it more palatable right. um, to everyone around us. And, but again, it's just another form of denial, right. I think, and it's another right. blinder where we're not really acknowledging what we're really feeling. Exactly. And therefore, we can't deal with it. Right. So we just assign a different word to it that seems more socially acceptable. Yeah. So because really, it's really hard for codependents to express anger initially mm. because anger is such a threatening emotion. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it it's really can be quite scary because we've been used to stuffing our emotions all our life. So suddenly we have to start identifying these. That can be terrifying. It yeah. really can mm -hmm. be scary. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So the, a great rule of thumb um, is to really speak the truth in love. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. even if it's uncomfortable, even if you're having an uncomfortable conversation. Yes. Um, and really the best way to remove the blinder is to exchange the emotions and learn to say what you really mean. Mm -hmm. And if you need to analyze what you're feeling first, then take the time to do that. Use yes. your feelings wheel. Use your feelings wheel. <laughs> because I think one of the big things for codependence is that fear mm. of abandonment, a fear of people not loving us, fear of people leaving us, mm -hmm. leaving, if we express our own emotions. Yeah. So we stuff or too them. much emotion. Or too much emotion, you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Women well, if being we make, we'll, mm -hmm. We're fine being completely uncomfortable, but we're not going to make anybody else uncomfortable for fear that they will be scared off. Mm -hmm. So right. we will suppress our own feelings. We will deny our own feelings. We will hurt ourselves, yes. which in turn hurts everybody, by the way, Right. in an effort to hang on desperately to whatever we think we have, which is usually not healthy in the first place because we're not healthy. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, use your feelings, Will. Yeah. Learn to say what you mean. And that mm -hmm. is difficult, and it does take time. We've been doing this for a while now. Mm -hmm. So, like, when I'm feeling triggered now, I'm able to say, you know what? I'm feeling triggered right now. Uh -huh. um, and I have learned that I'm very fear-based. So before, when I would joke, I would just joke, laugh everything off and make a joke of everything because I didn't want to deal with the real stuff. It was very hard for me to ever express anger. People used to say, oh, you're just so happy all the time. You know, I never see you angry. Oh, but when she got angry? When I finally got in touch with my feelings, <laughs> when I got in touch with my anger, Ooh, and you will, as a codependent, yeah. you're going to go through stages yeah. as you start working through your emotions and so i went we both kind of went through our angry phase yes. and i'm like i'm angry i'm angry about she everything was angry I'm, at everything i was like yeah. everything makes me i'm just I'm, I'm thinking about all this stuff but it was and such a short period of time but know? it was intense yeah right? well anger I, is intense because you know, i hadn't expressed why we're that yeah. like all my life practically right. but then you may find that you're inordinately inordinately yeah upset over small things because you want to avoid dealing with the real thing, mm. the big things. So you just blow up over stupid stuff yeah. or things build up until, because you avoid conflict. You don't ever want to say what you're really feeling. Or you blow up at the wrong person. Right? Or yeah. you wait until everything builds and then you blow up over something that they're like, if you'd have just said so, I didn't know that right. was going to be, you know what I mean? Because we mm -hmm. didn't, we're not being honest with them or with ourselves. And so. that, you know, there have been times, well, maybe once where I said to you, you know, I really feel like you're more angry than is reasonable over this. What mm -hmm. are you really upset What's about? What's really going on? Because that seems like really Way extreme anger yeah. for this little thing. But that's part of the gift of our friendship is that we can say that to each other because she probably didn't even know mm -mm. that it was like not proportionate. Right. Just like we, because we don't see ourselves clearly. Right, right. We don't. Mm -mm. So when we start feeling those emotions, like I said, I realize I'm so fear-based. My fear is loss of love and validation and, you know, because yeah. my parents, my dad was one that would punish you. He was not really emotionally available anyway, but he would withdraw emotionally. And my husband did the same thing. My husband was one that would give you the silent treatment. He would go days mm -hmm. and weeks and, and not speak to you as he would, he was a punisher. So yeah. he would punish you emotionally if we had a fighter and we disagreed or whatever. It was just... It, that is one of my big fears and so that was a manipulation that was a way to control me was to withdraw from me emotionally and he did that with my daughter you're so as desperate. well you're mm -hmm. so desperate for that love you'll do yes. anything you'll apologize when you're not wrong right right you know to anything keep to keep the peace yeah that's a big one okay mm -hmm. so let's go that kind of leads us to people pleasing yes very much um, so. so that's a big one that's a big one for codependence because we have such a great need for others 
to accept us and love, love us. us and validate us which is sad but it's true and again I think this is another one of those things that women struggle with more than men mm -hmm. um, because we are I, I don't know if part of it is societal that we possibly yeah take care of everybody else and so you know we want to please everybody and we want to be seen as as happy and and um, the, the people who make everything you know especially as moms as a mom you know our job is to make sure everything is perfect in the household. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that everybody else is okay. But we do that to the detriment of ourselves and really to the detriment of other people. We say yes to things that are not what's best for us. Mm -hmm. We run ourselves ragged to make uh, everybody else happy. Mm -hmm. Yep, and really that's a bad example. That again, because it's not a healthy way of functioning, it hurts everybody. So it taught my kids to acquiesce when it wasn't right and it taught my kids not to stand up for themselves because they saw me not standing up for myself mm -hmm. yeah and um, it taught my kids to not listen to their own minds and hearts and bodies and, and analyze what's best for me to make to make decisions based on what you want from other people versus what's best for me because right. I think as women we're taught that that's selfish yeah to, I think to so think too. about that's a societal ourselves. thing I think to a certain extent yeah but we really do need to do what's best for us mm-hmm we need to mm -hmm. listen to, if we need, I think this is another big one for women. We, it's not okay for us to rest. We have to keep going and going and going. I agree, super mom, super woman. It's super everything, and that's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but also it robs people who are supposed to be doing that, that this is their blessing and this is where they can shine. Right. And we're just taking everything because we're saying yes to everything. Right, um, exactly. And not allowing people to use their gifts mm -hmm. and talents and we're mm -hmm. over here half-heartedly. Mm -hmm. um, doing stuff in an effort to make everybody like us. I remember one time uh, a good friend of mine said to me, because I was very active in my church, and I was one of those people, if he asked me, I felt like, well, if they're asking me, the Lord must have directed me, the Lord must want me to do this. I said yes to everything until I was so burned out and so exhausted. And I remember a friend had said to me, Kathleen, this is going to be the year of no for you. I'm going to challenge you. I want you, no matter what someone asks you at first, I want you to say no. Your first response is going to be no. And then you can pray about it and think about it and see, how do I really feel about this? Would this bring me joy? Mm. Is this something I really want to do? Do I have the time to do this? Am I emotionally available to do this? Is this best for me? Those are, that's really right? Good. And so I had a year of no. And that was life-changing for me, learning how to say no. So I, it was so hard. I remember being so uncomfortable that I almost felt sick to my stomach oh, wow. when somebody came and asked me, oh, because they knew I was one of those people. You come, to, if you need something, Kathleen will do it. And they came, I don't even remember what it was now, and they asked me, can you do such and such? And it was so hard. Like, I felt sick, and I felt so intensely guilty. Like, I just felt horrible. Which is I, a codependent thing, yes, too. Yes, feeling to guilty to say no guilt. for setting boundaries. But I had <clears> burned myself out so much that I just didn't have anything left to give. And so... One of the things I realized is that maybe God was calling somebody else to do that. That's how he was going to work in their life. He had a plan for them. And if I stepped in and did this when he wasn't calling me to do it, I might be robbing them, like you said, of their mm -hmm. blessing. Yeah. Or just 
sticking myself in, inserting myself where it wasn't in my best interest or anyone's best interest. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't going to work out as well as it could have if I had just said, you know, stepped out of the way. So saying no was so hard in the beginning, but I was so glad I did. It was really a light, a, an eye-opening year. I need to do that. Mm -hmm. I know I've said I was going to yeah. do it. I forgot. It's, it's interesting. I think that's, there's yeah. a lot of power in that. So as codependents, we use these blinders to keep ourselves from seeing the objective truth. And, you know, the last, the last three we talked about today was keeping, keep, keeping busy, exchanging emotions, and people-pleasing. Right. Um, and we do that to avoid facing reality to avoid feeling pain, um, but really what it does is it keeps us from healing. It keeps us from becoming whole, and I'll add to that that it keeps us from modeling, if we're, um, right. if we're parents, modeling healthy behaviors and healthy way of functioning um, and healthy mm -hmm. relationships right. with our children. Because codependents compromise a lot. You'll find yourself compromising your own values as we mm -hmm. develop this lifestyle of pleasing others. Yep. So we compromise a lot. Mm -hmm. We may not agree with things. We may do things we Absolutely. typically don't want to do. We really don't want to do them. We feel kind of coerced into it mm -hmm. because we feel like we have to do it in order to keep this person happy. And then we're mad at them. Right? And then we're mad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right? So, so um, yeah. in the end, it ends up just harming us. And it, it, yeah. it doesn't bring any help. Mm -hmm. There is no help. It there. harms us in the end. And everyone sure. around us. Mm -hmm. And everyone else around us. So you know. if you think about this as parents or just in any kind of relationship, if you become a better person, if you become a healed person, a healthier person, it's only going to help everyone around you. And your healthiness is going to allow them to be healthier yes. too. Your boundaries, your healthy boundaries are going to help them learn to set their healthy boundaries and how to relate. Your children learn how to relate to other people based on what they learn in their home. So if you're, if you're as, as I learn this and I'm, and I'm demonstrating this to people around me, it will help them as well. Yeah, I was gonna say, it doesn't just affect your children, it affects every relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, Kathleen and I are friends, but we also work together. And so it affects our work <laughs> relationship, the healthier we get. Yes. <laughs> because we can kind of process through work stuff and go, okay, hold on, you're being triggered right now. Yes, this is not reasonable. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh -huh. um, it, it helps with our relationships with our spouses, our significant <gasps> others. It mm -hmm. helps in our friendships. Right. It helps with ourselves, which really is an important relationship mm -hmm. and needs to be acknowledged. That's part of like what you're talking about, being still and feeling your feelings. That relationship is, is a priority as well. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't feel guilty That's for right. doing what's best for you and taking care of yourself. Self-reflection is critical. Mm -hmm. If you have never just sat and been alone with yourself, maybe you're one of those people that go from relationship to relationship because you just can't be alone because you're terrified of being alone with yourself. Maybe you don't think you'll like yourself. Right. <laughs> like, I don't want to be with myself because I don't like me. Mm -hmm. You need to make time for yourself to be alone and reflect. Meditate mm -hmm. on yourself and how you're feeling and what's going on in your life. And what so. you love and what and doing what feeds right? your own what soul do you like? instead of relying mm -hmm. on somebody else to right? distract yeah, and keep in mm -hmm. that whole. That's the keeping busy one too. And you know, we mentioned a book last week uh, or before, I guess, "Women Who Love Too Much." Mm -hmm. Really, that is a great book that it follows. As we said, we're you know we're doing this book, um, "Untangling Relationships," by Pat Springle. Right. Shout out. Pat. So, Pat Springle, thank you, sir. This was a great book. But anywho. Um, 
the, the women who love too much yeah. that book the chapters kind of coincide a little bit with this so almost it's a natural so, yeah. it, it really is a natural progression it kind of follows that so there's some really good case studies and case examples mm -hmm. that are super Great interesting examples. to read yeah. yeah and you you may <clears throat> you may see yourself in a lot of them mm -hmm. we did yes, not all sure. of them some of them didn't relate to me I said no that's really not my history but a lot of them did, and mm -hmm. it was very helpful. It was very insightful. So that really helped us. So and that's um, the author of that is Robin Norwood. Robin Norwood, I believe. Is that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Women who love too much. Okay. So now we're gonna challenge you. Okay. See, I'm looking at the time. Are we good? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I am going to challenge you to really analyze where you are. This is part of this seeing yourself clearly, um, seeing yourself objectively. So grab a pen, some paper, grab your phone, um, whatever, and I want we want you to think about your own blinders and on a scale from zero to ten zero means that it never happens you never you never do this you. ten means you always do this okay zero is never ten always you're gonna rank them on a scale from zero to ten rate yourself in each of the categories okay so the first one is filtering information okay if we go back and talk about what filtering information was, that's only accepting what fits with our distorted perception of reality mm -hmm. and our lack of objectivity. Okay? okay. So where are you on that scale of filtering information? Okay. The next one is defending the offender, and that is excusing the person who has hurt us and then blaming ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Where, so where zero are you? to ten, folks. Go ahead and rate yourself. That's number two. Yep. The third one is redefining the pain. And that was when we label our pain as purely physical to avoid actually dealing with the emotional issues that are real. So where are you on that scale of zero to 10 when it comes to redefining your pain? Maybe you classify yourself or others have accused you of being a hypochondriac. Ooh, you got a lot of health issues. You get a lot of migraines. You get a lot of depression and anxiety, panic attacks. All of those kinds of things. You're gonna, you're gonna be a ten. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You gonna do number four? Yeah. Proclaiming perfect perception. That's where we deny reality. Um, well, that's where denying reality and feeling the pain um, give ourselves a sense of control. Mm -hmm. So we deny that just because we need to feel like we're in control. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Zero to ten. Zero. Never. Ten. Always. Number five. It's one of the ones we talked about today. Keeping busy. We just fill our time with working too hard, playing too hard, vegging out too hard. Avoidance technique. Avoiding, zero to 10. Yeah. And then exchanging emotions. You don't express your real emotions, how you're really feeling. You um, tend to use words that are more socially acceptable, like frustrated instead of angry, tired instead of your owning your depression. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Number seven, the last one is people pleasing. Ooh, that's a big one, Where guys. Where are you on the people pleasing scale? I'm not even explaining it because we all know. You know, you're you're going to compromise yourself and who you, you know are and what you want yes. to make other people happy. Your whole life is about saving, rescuing, fixing other people, and you don't ever take time to reflect on who you are, what you want, what you like. Okay. So in preparing for this, I wanted to kind of see where I am now and I then I went back and looked at what my scores were when I first did this two years ago 
Um, and it was really interesting to yeah. me to see how much I've changed. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that's one of the things that makes us different. Like I said, we're not, we're not therapists. We're not, I don't know, life, life coaches. coaches. We're just regular doctors. people. Yeah, we're not, we're not doctors. Um, I, even though I say I'm a mom, which gives me an honorary degree, um, but that's irrelevant. We're just regular people who, and that's one of the things that makes us, we're actually walking through this. Yes. We actually experience, we know what it means to be codependent because we are codependent. We are. But we're learning how to heal. And, we're and how to walk out of it. Yeah. And bring in as many of you along with us as we can. So, yes. so I, I, I'm going to share mm-hmm. um, where I was. So in filtering information, what I said two years ago was that I was an eight. Now, mind you, I didn't look at my old scores when I made my new scores. I, literally, I had no idea what I said. I just analyzed where I was. So when I analyzed where I am today, instead of being an eight, I'm a three. Woo, woo. Look at me growing. I know, right? Look at us. Where woo. are you? I was a I was a eight also originally, okay. and now I said I'm a four. Look about at a four. You, see? Growth, people, growth. It's real. Progress, not perfection. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So for defending the offender, I said I was an eight, and I probably I probably was not very objective. I was probably a nine. I said nine. Mm-hmm. And now I said two. Oh, okay. I said three. Oh. So okay. See, see yeah. we're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. So for re- what did you say for redefining the pain? I originally I said four. Because I think I was probably lacked an objective, yeah, objectivity yeah. there. Because um, redefining the pain, I think I wasn't seeing clearly. Yeah. But I said a four, and I said now I'm about a two. Okay, so I said a two then. I think because I wasn't seeing myself objectively. Mm-hmm. Like now I know I get this tension thing in my shoulders. Now I know um, that I get headaches, like things I didn't know before. So I probably was more like a four then, and now I'm probably a two. But I said two, mm-hmm. two years ago. Okay, so pro- proclaiming perfect perception. What'd you say? I said 10 two years ago. Really? Oh, yeah. I always okay. wanted to be perfect or perceived as okay. perfect. Yeah. All right. Um, now I said four. Okay. Would you think that you think that's accurate? I you said, know me. yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think we've come a long way. Yeah, I, I said sure. five. That your old number was five? My old number was five, and now I say it's a three. So I don't know. I wasn't really clear proclaiming perfection. I think I thought I was so much more introspective than I actually was. Yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, That's yeah, true. I was in denial. So, That's okay. True. Keeping busy. Oh, Lord. I was probably a 10 originally. I, I said 10 originally. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm about a 5. I'm, I'm getting better. I'm not where I want to be, but I am getting better. I don't think I'm much better. I'm a 7. I think I might not be a 5. I think I'm lying because <laughs> I, I think I'm lying. <laughs> Because I'm still, okay, you know what, let me reevaluate, because I still am a workaholic, and I still do, I, I spend a lot of time, I, I'm a reader, yeah. and also, like, computer stuff, like, for your brain, like, I yeah, always yeah, say yeah. it's to stave off Alzheimer's or whatever, I spend a lot of time playing computer games, word games, and I think that's a way of avoiding, so okay. yeah, okay, so maybe, I would say maybe seven? That's what I, I'm a, so I'm I said seven. I'm a seven. I said I was a so, 10, I'm a seven. Yeah. That's my highest number. Right. It was my highest number then. Okay. It's, well, I had three tens. Anyway, so exchanging emotions. Mm-hmm. What did you say, what did you say two I years ago? I said six, and now I said three. I think okay. I'm really getting used to yeah. kind of claiming it. Yeah, I said five. Name before. it to, to tame it. And you know, that was probably lack of objectivity for me to only say five um, before, and now, uh, now I say three. Okay, yeah. All right, okay. people pleasing. Nine. I said 10. 
before. Mm -hmm. What are you now? I said a four. Because I think you. I really, you I really, think, yeah. yeah. I think I've come through with that. I'm, I'm, yeah. I think yes, I've made a I lot agree. of growth. I think I, I've made a lot of progress. So I'm going really to, I'm going to own it. I'm yeah. going to take my props. See, that's part of seeing yourself mm -hmm. objectively is to see the bad, but also see the good. See the good. You know, which is, you know, mm -hmm. something we don't do as codependents. Yeah. Um, so I, I said two years ago, I said people pleasing a 10 and now I say five. Oh, see, yeah. look at us. Look at us growing. We are. Look at us grow. You guys can look grow too. Us. See, everyone can. Yay. So yeah, that's good. Yes. Okay, so so how did you do? So were you able to identify some blinders in your own life? Um, which ones were did you rank the highest? Yeah. You know which ones were the strongest ones for you? What do you want to um, work on? Right. You might what do you need to focus on yes. specific ones that you are realizing are no longer serving you? Yes. And no if longer those, if serving. If those things aren't serving you, then this is a wonderful opportunity. Mm -hmm to stop doing them and, and right. start a new pattern because you've been doing this circle dance, this pattern of behavior all this time, but if it's no longer serving you, it's okay, you can stop it. So think about this, we're gonna challenge this as we leave, we're gonna um, challenge you to think about what is an action step that you can take to address one of your blinders. Take the one that's the strongest for you, the mm -hmm. highest ranking one. Um, maybe it's something like when you feel sad, um, frustrated, uncomfortable, uneasy, you'll stop to identify the true feeling and respond honestly. Yeah. Name your, the honest feeling. Use your feeling will and say yeah. what it is. Or maybe um, as you identify one of these blinders as you're going through life, you just stop and you identify it and you address it and think, oh, okay, I am keeping busy when yep. I need to really deal with I'm some avoiding. stuff. I'm yeah. really upset with my spouse right now. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling disrespected. Mm. Um, but Unloved. I'm loved. Right? That's a big one for us. Unvalidated, it's a big yes. For us, you know? So maybe you stop and think, okay, how am I really feeling? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm slamming things around, or I'm, I'm giving the silent treatment, or I'm crying about something else that, you know, really isn't the issue. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so take some steps to address it. If, if you're really busy with work, church, or whatever, look at your schedule. Cut out some activities and deliberately make time to sit quietly with yourself. Mm. Reflect on your emotions. All right. Um, reflect on your your lack of objectivity or your lack of emotion, which points to suppressed emotions such as anger or pain. If you say you never get angry, you codependent. Yes. You know. You might be um, and yet. we never want to say we're hurt because we weren't allowed to just express hurt when we were yeah. a child. And I, I would have seen it as weakness. He's got to go out. Yep. You want me to? Yeah. Yeah. Can you yep. do it? You, okay. you okay. I'll do this. Okay. So, um, so yeah. So we we weren't allowed to to have those kinds of emotions as a kid. So. Um, so allow yourself to feel your feelings. It's really important that we do take time to allow ourselves to feel. And try to understand what the true underlying emotion is, where they came from. Name them, feel them, own them. Really, we say again, you have to name them to tame them. So, and it may be kind of scary because this may be the first time you're actually really identifying these things. Maybe your spouse tends to, to make sarcastic remarks or, or cuts you down or criticizes you and you always laugh it off or make a joke out of it and say, well, it doesn't really bother me, that's just him. But it really does hurt you and you've never really owned that or claimed that and said, you know, this is really hurtful to me. So take some time to reflect on how you really feel um, when you're going through some of those things, okay? So we're just gonna summarize this. Um, codependence, we use blinders to avoid pain, but in the process we avoid healing, okay? Um, instead of honestly feeling the hurt of betrayal and experiencing the anger of being abused or neglected, um, the codependent usually defends the offender. 
Um, codependents use activities to keep ourselves too busy to think or feel. Okay, thank you. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's what we've done this week is talk about these blinders. We really want you to take some time, time to reflect on this. Next week, we're going to do a review of codependency. So if you still aren't sure, if you think mm -hmm. I'm not really codependent, but you're still with us. <laughs> and if you want to go into a little bit more depth. Yeah, we're going to go into a little more depth. a little bit deeper understanding. We're going to talk about yeah. what it looks like in your day-to-day -day life. The signs of codependency mm -hmm. and then, you know, what we need to do to kind of work through some of that. So you guys, thanks so much for coming with us. We're just like, we, like Kim said, we're just two regular Joes mm -hmm. that have realized that we are codependents. We've identified this in our life and realized it no longer works for us. Right. We're not happy with this. We want to change. We want to grow. We want to heal. And so we're walking through this journey, and we just want to share this with others so that you know that you can do this. You don't have to be a, a counselor or whatever. No, you, you can don't. do this. So Sometimes it's nice to have somebody who really understands what you're going through versus somebody's kind of shooting on you. You should do this and you should yes, do that. Yes, let me tell you how you um, do this. So this, We're saying... Here, here, here I we are. all my flaws, <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and here are the ways I've hurt yeah. myself and the people I love, Right. and here's how I'm trying to make it better. And we really do try to be as transparent and raw and open as we can be with our stuff. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm, I have, we, we know that we have amends to make. I have some amends to make with people in my life that I need to own, um, the things that I've done that have damaged them and hurt them and ask for forgiveness for that and kind of work through that, which in the beginning when we talked about it, it was so scary. Terrifying. I thought, oh, I just can't, I just can't. You'd be surprised how when you go through this healing process, how much easier it gets to acknowledge your mistakes, mm -hmm. to own your stuff, and to actually voice that mm -hmm. to someone else, someone mm -hmm. that you may have hurt, and ask for their forgiveness. It is freeing. It is. So I have a question for you. I know you are very soon going to have some conversations, some uncomfortable conversations yeah. that you've really been wanting to have for a long time. Mm -hmm. You've been wanting to, to, to apologize and to make amends and to say, I see you and I see this. So after you do those and have those uncomfortable mm -hmm. conversations, will you share that with us? I will to the extent I can still protect someone's privacy. Of course. Of but course. yes, absolutely. I will. Um, because Kim and I at this point haven't actually published these like on our Facebook account so that yeah. people that we actually know <laughs> are going to see and hear this, our family and friends. True. So we're going to do that soon, very soon. So when it and gets to you, we will have worked through all of this. Yes. But we need to make sure that we do it in a healthy way. Right. And, and we that respect we, others. Uh, mm -hmm, are respectful but, and loving. But also that we speak our truth, yeah. even if it may hurt someone else or make them angry or upset because they haven't walked through their healing journey yet. Mm -hmm. I want to be respectful of that, but at the same time, as part of my healing, I've got to be honest yes. about my truth. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's an uncomfortable conversation. So that's much. what we're all about here is mm -hmm. walking you through how to have these uncomfortable conversations and what they look like in real life. And keep in mind that in dysfunctional families, there's a lot of secrecy. Yes. You don't air the family's dirty laundry. Yes. You don't talk about things. It's very uncomfortable. You don't talk about your emotions. You don't talk about how what's going on in your family. You just you either ignore it, you deny mm -hmm. it, you suppress it. So part of this healing is to bring this stuff out and that yes. makes people that are not mm -hmm. 
in that place, very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. that mm -hmm. we're bringing this stuff to light, but it can be freeing for everybody. I'm hoping for that sure. it'll bring healing for sure for all of us. So, but I'm not responsible for anybody else. I'm only responsible for me and my stuff. So, yeah, um, and one of the things Brene Brown teaches, um, if you're a fan of Brene, you know, she talks, she does a lot of research on shame and, and how it affects us. And one of the things she says that shame cannot live in the light. So when you mm. bring these things to light, there's shame loses its power. Exactly. So, um, I think that's a lot. I think that's going to be a lot of what we both experience when we have some of these uncomfortable conversations with the people that we love. Exactly. Well, thanks again for joining us. Um, please do subscribe and like us. Click those buttons and uh, stay tuned for our next episode. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you. Bye.